Okay, in Mark 11, verse 1, it says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, they just like to give you the, the true GPS there, Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, as and as soon as ye have entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon no, never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. The, Jesus is basically authorizing grand theft auto in that day. Okay, he's, he's going to take somebody's vehicle because he has need of it. And if any man has a problem with it, if the police show up, just tell them. Why, when, they, when they ask, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. I know a lot of people preach that, the, that God doesn't have needs, but I think God needs certain things to happen to fulfill some prophecies in our life. Amen? And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And straightway he will send him hither. In other words, Jesus says, go get me a vehicle, something to ride on. When someone says, why are you taking it? It's not yours. Tell them the Lord has need of it. And they'll let, it, they'll let it go because sometimes when you tell people that God has a need of it, they know that God is doing the work in it. A man, somebody. And they went their way and found the colt tied at, by the door without a place uh, where to... Let me back up and say that again. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. That means that they found the, the, the colt outside where two roads met. I know it's King James, but that's what it means. And they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Hey, that's not your car. What are you doing? <laughs> what, do you, what do ye? Loosing the colt. You didn't bring that colt here. That's not your possession. And they said unto them, they said unto them even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Everybody say miracles. That's exactly what that was. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon it. And, men, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off of trees, which we have here in these vases, and strawed, and, and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So that's where we get the song that we just sang, Hosanna. We sing, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And I want to preach to you for a little while about a topic called, I still need a Messiah. Amen. I still need a Messiah. I don't know about you, but I still need a Savior. Amen? Every single day. Let's pray. Jesus, use this gift of your word. Lord God, use this anointed word to talk to our hearts today and to be the message we need to hear. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's house. I'm going to need a little bit of water today. I was very interested to find out what the word Messiah means. When it's capitalized, it means the expected king and deliverer of the Jews. That's what it means. When it's not, it's a professed and accepted leader of some hope or cause or 
causes security, which the political messiahs promise. So in other words, when someone say, says that he has a messiah complex, anybody ever heard of that? That means that they think they can save it all. Amen? But whenever we talk about, I need a Messiah, I'm not talking about someone to save me other than Jesus Christ. We are in the house of the Lord, and we're referring to Jesus, our Savior and Lord. He likes, just so you know, he would have entered anyway into Jerusalem to go to the cross. But he entered triumphantly. Amen? And he often will enter triumphantly. How many have ever been in a service where it doesn't seem like anything's moving yet, but whenever the preacher gets up and the anointing falls, all of a sudden something changes in the atmosphere and you know that Jesus just entered the building. Amen? Have you ever been there before? I know I've been there because I've been the preacher that's been blessed. To, if it didn't smoke it in worship, if it didn't happen someplace else, if someone didn't get up and share a testimony that really lit the fire in our hearts, guess what? I've been the preacher that walked to the pulpit and said, Lord, you gave me this message and just began to preach the word of the Lord and watch God begin to move in a very special way. I've seen that happen. Amen. You guys are quiet today, so I'm not going to be super loud. I promise you that. My voice just doesn't have the capabilities today for some reason. I'll blame it on California because of the allergies that were out there this week. They've already got everything blooming and we don't, so... But because he entered triumphantly, we know that he was not intending to spend uh, all of his energy on the way he came in, but he was intending to die to save a planet and a people. Amen? He can come in like a king using an unbroken cult. That's the way Jesus rolls. Somebody say amen. He can come in like a king on something that you wouldn't use to enter into a crowd with. You wouldn't take a horse that is fairly trained into a crowd, let alone a colt that hasn't been broken into a crowd. Amen? It just doesn't make good sense. It just, it wouldn't be something you would choose, but there's a prophecy way back in the Old Testament saying that he's going to ride in on a colt. And so in order for him to do that, his disciples had to be obedient. Everyone say obedient whenever they were given a strange task that didn't make any sense has God ever asked you to do something that didn't make a lot of sense at first but when you were obedient to it God provided in the situation can I get a witness in the house this morning amen that God will provide even when it doesn't make sense all the time that alone should be enough to get our attention that he decided to come in on into a crowd and and ride into Jerusalem on something that nobody else would have picked or even decided on but he was a God who fulfilled prophecy and he was a God who walked the word because he was the word amen somebody in other words our God can choose when can choose whatever he wants to use go ahead and tweet that if you'd like to i mean just if you'd like to go ahead our god can choose whatever he wants to use this jesus can triumphantly enter into your situation riding on anything he wants to ride in on amen he can come and show up on an unexpected paycheck 
He can show up on an unexpected bonus. He can come in and show up on an unex unorthodox and a non-standard and maybe even not a perfect way, but he can still move perfectly in a way that you've never seen him move before. I know a God who is specific and professional and God will not take anything that's not his, but I promise you, if you open a door to him, he's a gentleman, he'll knock first, but if you open a door to him and you say, God, you come in however you want. You show up in any way you want. I'll make available any avenue that you want. If you come in, a, in on an unbroken cult, that's okay. If you show up in a place where I wasn't expecting you, that's okay. If you give me a word from heaven, from somebody under a bridge that you think wouldn't have a message from God, but it comes from God. It comes from God anyways. You can have whatever God wants from you. He can show up in unorthodox ways. Amen? If you just open the door, he'll ride in on a new connection at work. He can ride in on an unexpected pay raise. He can ride in through unexpected social media connection. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus is really not in social media. <laughs> just look at some of the posts. <laughs> No, actually, since I'm there, I'll take a pastoral liberty um, and play the pastor card. If you choose to post something as a Christian that's not like Jesus, please don't link me <laughs> and don't link my wife. <laughs> I don't want to see that, just so you know. Not only do I not want to see that, but I want everything in my life to be available for a triumphant entry for Jesus Christ. And I'm not interested in having anything on my social media. I want him to be able to show up on my social media. I want him to be able to show up in my contact list. I want him to be able to show up in my playlist. I want him to be able to show up in my movie selection. I want him to be able to show up in any place in my life at any time he wants to and ride in on unorthodox, on unorthodox ways. So I want you to know that I choose to watch what I carefully watch and I choose to be careful what goes in my ear gates and what goes in my eye gates. I feel like preaching in the house today, Jesse. I, I, I just want you to know that I'm careful and I'm cautious about what I let into my life because there is something that I know needs to happen and that is there needs to be an availability in every place and every area. I don't want to shut Jesus out because there's something that's not worthy of his name. I want to make sure that everything I have has God's name and God's approval on it so he can show up and use it if he wants to. Amen? Amen. Let me talk to these young, some of these younger boys. Maybe not the boys, but somebody who listen to this that needs to hear this. If you are listening to a playlist that has derogatory slang toward women and is calling them sexist slang and any other discriminatory labels, you need to delete that from your, prayer, from your playlist. Well, well. All right, well, I'm, I'm here, so I might as well take another pastoral liberty, amen? If you are a Christian, and you call yourself a Christian, and you have people in your contact lists that shouldn't be there, you need to go ahead and get out your contact list right now and delete them. If they influence you away from the Lord, then you need to maybe put some distance between you and that relationship. That's all I'm saying. Amen, somebody. Because I believe that Jesus ought to have the opportunity to enter triumphantly anywhere he chooses to show up. And if he can't show up in my contact list, if he can't show up in the things that I'm doing, then guess what? I want to make sure that I am changing that, I'm cognizant of it, and I'm making decisions that will allow me to be used by God. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. 
well. Maybe Jesus would have more triumphant entries in our lives if we would, if we would get him something to write in on. <laughs> they went to get him a colt that was broken. Now, that was inconvenient, wasn't it? It was not necessarily something that you would want to do. Think about the task at hand. Go find a colt. We have no rights to it. It's not even ours, but I want you to take it. And when they ask you why you're taking it, do the big ask, you know, well, don't ask them if you can have it. Tell them that the master has needs of it. The Lord has need of it. And if there's ever something that I want to share with you that makes a big dent in the fact that I'm a pastor and I do things that I feel like God wants me to do and I feel like God has need of, of me to do, I tell some people sometimes the things that I'm, I'm doing and, and I don't have to ask them, are you interested in supporting this? I don't have to ask them. Would you like to help out in this area? A lot of people will come to me after I tell them what, what I feel like God wants to do, and they will sense that in their heart. And they'll, they'll come to me and say, Pastor, I want to help with that. Why? Because they recognize that they should give to something because the Master or the Lord has need of something. Whenever we're dealing with people in Sri Lanka, and I know I'm talking about that a little bit much right now, but I'm working on the project over there. When I'm talking about saving people's life because their hard waters are shutting down their kidneys, and when I'm talking to John about the, the ways that we're getting things funded and, and the fact that we have land in a building already and we're just needing to find the recipients in order to start the aquaponics project and, and dig wells and, and we, we were looking at $15,000 a well but we found a company that will work with us out of China that'll get it, the wells done for, for, for the Life Spring project for $3,500. When, when you hear me, my voice breaks up and when I, you see a tear run down my face because it's happening like it should never happen and there's miracles happening over there because we're praying here I want you to know that you have to understand that I'm just I don't know how to do it but if I make a way Jesus will show up if I if I'll just spread some palm branches if I'll just take off my coat and get to work and lay it in front of the Savior and say Lord I'm gonna work at it if you just open the door I don't know how it's gonna happen I don't even know how we're gonna provide for it but God I will lay something down in front of you if you will be willing to walk in on it. Oh my would you be willing to preach with me today? What have you laid before the Lord today? What have you put out in front of God and said, God, if you'll heal my husband, God, if you'll touch my wife, God, if you'll mend a relationship, I'll lay it before you, Jesus. Would you just walk in on it? I pray today somebody would have that urgency and somebody would have that desire to say, I can't carry this anymore. I can't lift this on my own. I wasn't designed to carry the burden of this situation. But when the Messiah walks in, don't question what he came in on. Don't question how he showed up. But just lay it before him and begin to worship him with whatever you got to worship him with. I may only have five bucks in my pocket, but I'll worship him for provision. I may drive in in a jalopy, but I'll worship him for a new vehicle. I may not have everything I need today, but I know my Messiah just walked in and he's my provider. Amen. Somebody. And I'm willing to lay it before him to see what he will do. I don't know about you, but I want every channel of my life open and every option open for a triumphant entry because I don't just want him to show up. I want him to show out, amen? I want him to do what only he can do. 
It's interesting that I study a lot of business stuff and I, and I listen to people who are business gurus and one of the major things that I've taken from years of listening to business is the, the advice that they give and, and one of the greatest points of advice that I've ever heard is they say every time you're there show up. When you, no matter what you do, no matter how, how, how well you are or how good you are at your job, when you're present, be present. Show up and do your work the best you can do. And if your best is not good enough for anybody else, don't worry about it. God knows how to work with good. Amen? He said, well done. He's going to say it someday. If we live for him and we get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, not thou great, not thou perfect. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I wonder if maybe too many times we get business concepts in the church and we strive for excellence in areas where God is only asking for our good. Amen. He's only asking us for us to do good by him and to look and search for his goodness in a thing and to find a place where we can do it good. We don't have to do it the best and we should strive for excellency. I'm not saying that but when striving for excellency blinds you to the things that are good good in your life. You have lost the reason and the health and the hope that God can show up and take your good to something great. Somebody said amen. Because he's willing to do that. He's willing to take our natural efforts and put his super over top of it and make it a supernatural effort. Amen. I can only prepare sermons so well. I can only preach so well. I can only polish this so much on a plane at 35,000 feet. Somebody said amen. There's only so much I can do to prepare for this Sunday. But if I show up with my good, if I've spent my time in the prayer room and I say, Jesus, I don't know. I, I, know, I know a preacher friend that, that told me this story and I'll tell it to you in a second. But if I show up with, with what I've got to give to the Lord, I believe he will bless it. I believe he will bless it. And he'll do something great with it. A friend of mine is an evangelist. And he said sometimes he doesn't really feel like he's hearing from the Lord for the service he's going to preach. Because he preaches at so many services. I said, well, what in the world do you do, man? How do you know what the word of the Lord is for those people or, or what the message should be? He said, I'll be honest with you. He goes, I have enough faith in God. I lay all four of my best messages on the bed. And when it comes time to leave, I just grab one and say, hope it's a blessing. <laughs> because it's the word of the Lord. It's already anointed. Amen. He said, I just do the good that I can do and let God do the great. Amen. My friend who we talked about earlier and we prayed for, his name is Joshua Herring. He's an evangelist and he's out of the church that is the parent church of my brother's daughter work, which is what this was out of Abundant Life. This was a daughter work. He's now in a daughter work in Sebastian, Florida, starting a church as a satellite location of David Meyer, who is in Vero Beach, Florida. Well, in Vero Beach, they have an evangelist come on Sunday nights, and sometimes he preaches on Sunday mornings. That evangelist is Joshua Herring, who lost his his grandfather who we prayed for earlier in this room. Joshua Herring last week was traveling and he went up to New York to preach and he was just doing what he could do. He, he didn't know what was coming. He didn't know that this week would change his life forever but he just did the best he could do and he was traveling. He was jet lagged. He said he walked into service and he was so tired. He said, Lord, if you will just help us, if you will give us an unprecedented move of God, I want something that I've never seen before. I dare you to do something like that. Ask God 
to use your life in a way that he's never used anybody else's life before, you're messing with fire right there. God will honor a prayer like that. God will step in and he will do something with your life that we have never seen before. He'll, he'll take you and use you in a powerful way if you start asking God to move in a way that's unexpected in my life. Amen, somebody. So he began to just say, Lord, if you don't do it today, my flesh is tired. I'm wore out. If you don't do it today, it's just not going to happen. And he began to just preach a simple message. And when he got done, there was a lady in a wheelchair. He said, I believe God wants to heal some people in this service today. And when he got done, they started bringing people that were sick up on the platform. And there was a woman in a wheelchair. And she said, he went over to pray for her. And he said, what would you like, ma'am? And he said, I want, she said, I want to be healed. And she said, I've never walked before and I've been in this wheelchair all my life and most of us would have said a nice little prayer and believe God that he's going to heal her somewhere but maybe not here but maybe not here he said I was so tired there was no way that I had the energy to pray a prayer that could have done anything that I felt uh, that I felt or that I knew God was doing powerfully so he said all I did was say in the name of Jesus in the powerful name of Jesus and he they got her up out of that wheelchair and she she started to stumble on those legs that didn't have muscle strength and she slowly began to walk and she began to walk back and forth across the front and what was happening was she was being held up by two men one was the pastor and one was another person which he didn't label or identify when I talked with them and what happened was they walked across the front this way and they walked back and they just kept walking back and forth and slowly what was kind of dragging started to begin to step and then what was stepping started to be joined in step with the other foot and by the time they got done she did not go back to her wheelchair she went home walking for the first time in her life now that's a miracle that may be hard for us to believe but at the same time there was a woman right behind her she went off to the right side of the stage another woman came up and she said I haven't seen out of my left eye my entire life it's been blind from birth I haven't been able to see through this eye and he said all right I don't know what to do other than to pray in the name of Jesus which has all power and authority and he said I don't I'm just gonna bring the the good thing I know to do and ask God to do something amazing and so what he did was he he began to pray and he asked the whole church to join in he said church how many believe that God opened blind eyes in the Bible and they all said yes I believe that he said how many believe that he's the same yesterday today and forever as he said he was and they're all yes I believe that and he said how many believe Jesus can open this blind eye right now <laughs> crickets no it was only a few people that said ah, I believe that we get so comfortable with not seeing the miraculous sometimes it's hard to pull faith out of people but I want you to know if you let God come in any way he wants to if you let him work any way he wants to he'll do some miraculous things so the whole church he said let's lift it up in prayer and they began to pray and he turned around and he laid his hands on her head and began to pray and her eye opened and she said I, I don't believe this I, I can't I I can't believe this. I can see out of my left eye for the first time. And she began to dance around the platform and enjoy God's presence that she was feeling because she was so excited that for the first time she could see out of her left eye. Now, that is an amazing story if it was only a story. But it's not. It happened. And I know the man that prayed the prayer. And I know the God who answered the prayer. So sometimes we have to be careful that we don't define God as being so great and so powerful and so awesome that he doesn't show up in the everyday 
in our good and our best efforts. He's the good shepherd, amen? Before I understood English very good because we bounced around in my young life and I didn't have a very good education until I got into college and kind of repaired some of that and I'm still repairing, yay. But I didn't understand that good was a describer of the shepherd. He was a good shepherd. I was always thinking that he was the shepherd of the good things in my life. I wonder if I could give you a revelation, even though it's reverse English, that he's a shepherd of the good things in your life. And sometimes it's good to have great things. Yes, I don't, I don't doubt, I, I'm not saying it's not, not a Snapchat moment. I'm not saying it's not a moment to share whenever you have the best things in life happening to you. But those are emotional highs, brothers and sisters. Those are not the places where we live. We live in the low places sometimes. We live in the valley between the high points. And we go from glory to glory, the Bible says. But when we live in the valley, we have to know that God's still good in the low places. Amen? He's still good when it's not working out the best when it's not going and it, when we don't have an emotional high or we don't leave here going hey that was the best service I've ever been at or doesn't matter how we walk out of here as long as we can say today we've been with the Lord today we heard something that encouraged our heart today we listened to something that reminded me that God is still good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations amen somebody we need a good word in the house of God. And so we have to focus on sometimes the good when we don't always see the great. Amen, 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 amen. And I still need a Messiah. Hallelujah. So I want to focus on two points and then I'm, I'll get out of your way and you can go to lunch. <laughs> Number one is we need to understand that who you're with is more important than what you have. Amen? So with is greater than what? I was privileged to work at a job that was near Colorado this year. And uh, the, some of the benefits that I have, some of the perks of work is they will let me go snowboarding every once in a while and pay for the lift tickets. They put it under entertainment. So... When you're entertaining somebody, like if I had somebody to take, you know, to dinner or something like that, if it was important, a meeting of some kind, they would include that as well. But because I went snowboarding uh, and the company paid for it, I was going by myself to Breckenridge this year. So I went, I had a good time. I was exhausted and I was sitting in the little chair at the base of the chairlift that went all the way up the mountain. And there's this older gentleman sitting next to me and he was alone. He was by himself. And his kids don't ski. Nobody in his family skis. But he comes by himself because he enjoys skiing. But it wasn't as glorious as if he had somebody to do it with. He said, you know, all my life, I've loved coming to the mountain. I have the money to afford coming to the mountain. But I have nobody that will go on the mountain with me because none of them desired to ski. And I sat there and I said, you know what? I never want to be like that, where I have something that is great in my life, something that could be enjoyable, but understand that the most enjoyable things in your life are the things you're able to do with somebody. And what you have is not nearly as great as who you have with you, amen? And so when you look at the scriptures, whenever there's pain or there's suffering or there's hurt or there's struggle, the answer that God always gives is not, I will fix it immediately. 
He can move miraculously. Don't get me wrong. But he does often come. Search it on Google if you want to. How many times God says, I am with you. His answer for an unanswered question is, I am with you. He doesn't tell you what is going to go on in your life all the time. But he will tell you, I'll be with you when it does happen in your life. So God makes sure we understand that knowing what's going to happen or knowing what we're going to have in our life later in life or knowing what blessings God will bring to our life is not as important as knowing that he's going to be there every breath we take and he's going to be with us walking and helping us. Amen, somebody. So who you're with is more important than what you have. You can have very little and be very happy. Amen. You can, you can be rich, but not be wealthy. Amen. I, I was sitting last night and we had this, this prayer request come in from, from this family member that lost their great grandfather. And, and we were laying all, everyone was laying in the bed and I was sitting on the little love seat there and we do our prayers at night and we all began to pray. And before I began to pray is Eden and Seth are laying in bed, pardon the personal story. And Seth is in bed and I'm sitting on the love seat there and, and, and Seth turns over to me and says, daddy, you want to pray tonight? Because I'm home back from traveling from vacation, not vacation, just kidding from work <laughs> and so I'm back home and I'm like of course I would love to pray of course this is a good thing this is one of the good things in my life and because I've chosen that it determines my actions everywhere else I go can I preach in this house right now because people think that if you get what you want you will be with who you want to be with and it's not like that brothers and sisters you have to make a choice of who you're going to be with first and then that determines every other decision after that point everything that comes into your life every what is then determined by who you're with seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you I'm grateful that I know that I don't have to go chasing a what I don't have to go chasing happiness I don't have to go chasing relationships I don't have to go chasing money I don't have to go chasing things that the world says we need to get to be happy I know that if I have Jesus in my life I have everything I need amen somebody and because I am with him I will do the things that keep him in my life and not do the things that hurt him amen and I choose to do right because it keeps the relationship right with God I wear a ring but in our culture, not too many people re respect a ring anymore, amen? And I travel quite a bit. And so it's kind of funny that when I get on a plane and I'm already in my seat, because I pick a seat. I know they don't have select seats in Southwest Airlines, but I like to fly Southwest. And I have a spot where I like to sit right behind the wing on the right side. And so when I get on the plane and I sit down, I do one of these. I just kind of flop my hand over the seat with my ring on because <laughs> I'm like if you're going to sit next to me just know that I'm already with somebody and I have certain behavioral patterns that go with that relationship amen somebody am I just being too real here is that too harsh I just want you to know that because you cho I chose to be with somebody my behavior comes off of that decision amen somebody I I I think that what we do sometimes is, is if we put God first, 
he takes care of all of our seconds, amen? And our thirds and our fourths. We don't have to line everything up in life if we get him in place first. It's, it's, it's just interesting to me that people think that they get their identity from other people. Like they, they identify with certain groups or certain cultures and, and Democrat, Republican. They identify with these different places. And I'm not being political right now. I just want you to know that what you identify with is not who you say you identify with. You, you are, your identity comes from who you worship. Study the word of God and you'll see. Maybe you don't believe me, but study it out. The thing that you worship is what gives you your identity. And the reason why your mama used to say you are who you hang out with and why that has some truth is because the people you hung out with began to influence you to do the things that they did and to pursue the things that they pursued. And in fact, began to worship the things that they worshiped or the things that they liked you went after. Worship is when you give your attention to something and you adore something greater than God. And I want to put all my worship on him. Amen? And so what you have to understand is Jesus hung around with publicans and sinners, but he wasn't a publican and sinner. His identity wasn't found in who he hung out with. His identity was found in the fact that he was God in flesh. He was Jesus Christ who came to save a world. Amen? And so in the fact that he was submitted to the will of God in so much that he would go to a cross for us and have a triumphant entry that we're celebrating today. I want you to know that when we submit ourselves to God and to his plan, it doesn't matter who we're around as long as we know that we're not being influenced by them. We're to influence them. Amen. We're not supposed to go toward them and the things that the world says we should worship. We go toward, we ask them to come toward the God who deserves to be worshipped. Amen? So we know that God is the one that gives us our identity. Would you like a deeper understanding of that? Because I like to peel layers off the onion myself and look deeper. Even a deeper layer, I think, of wisdom and truth in that particular topic is that the is to, to get the understanding that you are influenced by those that worship different things. And so I guess I've already hit this in my notes. I apologize. Jesus was the perfect example. He was God in flesh. Amen. He couldn't have died for us on the cross if he wasn't human. 100% human. He couldn't have died for us and recovered us if he wasn't 100% God. Amen. So he's 200% all the time. Hello, somebody. Go ahead and put that as an emoji. He's 200% all the time. What a great God he is. Amen. The second point I want to make on that the what the width is greater than your what is that what they needed to release the blessing was because they were willing to go and be obedient to Jesus Christ in other words our obedience often releases God's blessing in our life when they went to get that cult they didn't know what the answer was going to be but when they were obedient and God did it I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that old man sitting on the bench just having a good day but not having a great day because nobody was with him to share it.
I don't want to be the guy. Have you ever heard the story of the guy that decided to go golfing on Sunday? He's like, he didn't call pastor and say, hey, pastor, I'm skipping church today. I'm going to go play golf. It was an expensive round, so he wanted to go. So he went out there, and he was playing golf, but he had to play alone because he didn't want anybody to see him playing golf on a Sunday. So he went out and played golf on a Sunday, and, and he gets up to the hole, and, and the pastor is praying like, George, Lord, you know, is, is out playing. He's not here today. I don't know what he's doing, but would you just bless him? And God was like, oh, I'll bless him. All right, watch this. And so George gets up to the first tee and he lines up and he swings and hits the ball. And I mean, he just crushes it. And it goes all the way down the fairway, bounces before the green rolls up and goes in the hole. And he's like, oh, hole in one, 400 yards, unbelievable, never seen before. And then he hears the voice of the Lord say, try to tell anybody about that one. Oh, Sometimes the best things are not the best things if you have to do it at the wrong time. Amen? There's good things that can come to your life if you wait for God's timing. Hello, somebody. There's also other things that can happen that are awesome. And I'm skipping notes. That's why I'm using general verbiage. Having other, other things happen, there, there, there makes, there, there, there's something that makes a victory sweeter when you have someone to celebrate it with. Amen? When, when you hit the buzzer beater and there's no one in the gym, not really awesome, amen? Not so cool. When, 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 you, when, you, when you get the, the catch and you and the quarterback are the only ones on the field and you dive into the end zone, not really amazing, okay? But when everyone is in the stands and you have the 11th man and you have all the cheering and everything going on and all the excitement and you come down to the last moments and somehow the quarterback flosses the defenders and you get it into your hands and you're standing in the end zone and everybody goes crazy. It's because they got there together, amen? They call it the 11th man for, the re for a reason. And there's 10 men on a field every time the football team takes the field, but the 11th man known as the 11th man is the the people that are in the bleachers, there's something that you don't know about. Maybe you heard about it, but there's something that takes place at an at a A&M game. Every time you see an A&M game, baseball game, college game, what happens is the pitcher gets up there to pitch, and when they want the pitcher to throw a ball, the entire, the entire stand starts chanting, ball one. Maybe you saw this, maybe not. Ball one. And they chant ball one until the pitcher pitches. There's a YouTube video about it. And what happened was the pitcher gets so rattled by the heavy chanting that he threw a ball. And then as soon as the ball hits the, over the plate, the entire, all of the chanting changes to ball two, ball two, ball two. And there is a video of a very professional college baseball player that should not have had a problem pitching a strike. And he, he balled, he sent four balls over the plate that caused the person to walk at a very key moment because all of the fans in the crowd just kept on chanting ball two two, then ball three, then ball four. And then after they went up and they moved one of the batters to the, he walked to the base because it was a ball. Then they started chanting. You'd think they'd let the guy, you know, have, have a few pitches without chanting. Then they started chanting ball five, ball six. And they just kept doing that till he was so frazzled he couldn't even pitch straight. 
That's how important it is to know that you have a voice and a saying and you have the ability to change things by just being in alignment with what God wants to do in your life. If you would be a person who says, I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to keep calling on something from God till it changes, amen? I'm going to keep saying, devil, you can't throw a strike. You can only throw a ball. Don't chase things other, over people, amen? I'm just saying, don't go after something that you need to pursue in a right timing. Don't, don't ask God to show up and not pray in his will. Just keep on praying and saying it over and over again until God does it for you. Just keep on claiming it in Jesus' name and claim it again and claim it again and be that 11th man cheering on what God wants to do in your life and just claim it again and claim it again until God does it in his perfect timing. Amen. Amen. Make him the one thing you choose. This is, this is really important to me because I want God to be the one decision that changes all other decisions. Amen. He is the greatest thing you could ever have in your life. It's so f powerful whenever you have set your initial decision on Jesus Christ, every other decision is easy. You don't have to make difficult decisions when you know I'm choosing God first in everything. Even if I, if I get a job in another state that is $50,000 more per year, I know I'm called to preach here and to build a church. I'm not going to choose that job. Earlier this year, we, we said our theme is wholehearted, being wholehearted toward God. And as soon as I set that theme, I got a job offer. As soon as I, I mean, it was, it was a million dollar job offer. If I, if I had worked that job for a couple years, it was an amazing opportunity. And I, I just called up the guy. I didn't even have to think about it. I just called him up and said, you know what? That sounds really nice. And, and it's an amazing opportunity. I just can't take it. I, and I've been there. I did. I had done military parts before. I know how to do the job. I I was in a C class position for that kind of job. But and I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm just telling you, it was an easy acceptance. It was something I could do. And yet, I'd already made a decision that this year was wholeheartedly for God. And so every other decision came off of that, Lisi. Every other decision was already made for me because I chose God first. God said in the first chapter of Genesis, he said, it is good seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. That tells me that perfect things in life are embedded in the good things of life. You understand what I mean by that? Sometimes when we chase great things or excellent things, we could actually lose the perfect things in our life because they're found in the good things of our life. And someone said, amen. Hallelujah. But we live on the good things of life. So my second point was this. Good is better than great. I missed the point, but that's okay. You could, you could be blinded to the good when pursuing the great. Some people pursuing greatness, um, some people pursue greatness to the detriment of everything that's good in their life. How many know someone like that? I don't want to be that person. I choose to preach the perfected word of God. I choose to preach the, the God who does great things in my life because I give him all that's good in my life. Amen. I want to give him the good part of my life, not the leftovers.
I don't want to give him the leftovers. I don't even like leftovers. I'll be honest with you. We take leftovers home and I never eat it because I just, I'm not a leftovers kind of guy. It's just the way it is. And maybe you're the same way. I don't know. Do you have leftovers that crawl out of your refrigerator sometimes because you left them over too long? I mean, I, I, I don't, my wife doesn't let that happen, but if it was me, if I was batching it, it we'd have some stuff in the refrigerator that came home with me that never got eaten. But I, w I don't want to give God my last. I want to give him my best. Amen? And so whenever we walk with God, we have to understand that to go deeper with him, he has to be everything in our life. I'm finding that he's my good shepherd. I'm finding that he looks for the good things in me. Look, look at all the times. Let me just give you a couple of good statements from the word of God. Not, it's not good for man to be alone. When God created man, he created a being that was not, bit, not meant for isolation. Amen? He said it's not good for man to be alone. It's good for us to be together as men. Amen? It's good for us to come to Monday leadership class tomorrow. Amen, somebody? Oh, shameless plug right there. Just shameless plug. It's good for us to go to men's breakfast, even though pastors get stuck in California. It's good for us to do things that are bringing ourselves together and bringing accountability and not leaving us in isolation. Amen. And it's also very healthy to all of your relationships if you are finding the good in people. You don't have to find just, the, I mean, they may be excellent at something. I mean, you may be amazing at something. But if I only focus on the one thing you're amazing at, sooner or later, you're, you're going to fail me. Amen? You're not going to do very good at that. But if I build my relationship always looking for the good in you, I can, I can have a very strong relationship with you because I'm not focusing on your failures because what I focus on magnifies. And so if I focus on the good in you, I can build a really good relationship. Some people's relationships fall apart because they're constantly looking at the things that the other person is doing wrong and instead change your perspective and you change your life. Remember the story of the man laying in the hospital bed and the other gentleman laying next to him and, and he asked him every day, hey, what's it look like out there? And he said, well, it's partly cloudy today but there's people walking their dog in the park there's a beautiful park and a lake and there's some wonderful people and he told stories about how this man came up and handed her flowers and and then oh he's getting on his knee he's gonna propose oh look he's opening a ring he's she's running away no way she's running away oh look the next day he's like well what's going on in the park and this guy had bandages on his eyes and he had eye damage and he was taking in the view of the park from the man that was in the bed next to the window window and 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 he he's like you won't believe it the the lady's back there sitting on a park bench that ran away yesterday here he comes look at this i don't even believe i'm seeing this and he's telling this story he's like he's getting on his knees again this time he's got a better ring i think he's got a better ring <laughs> and, and he's like she said yes she's hugging him she said yes and he's like oh that's amazing and the next day oh it's a beautiful day there's people walking hand in hand there's people enjoying the day and then the man next to the window went into surgery and he didn't make it and the nurse walks in and and the guy with the bandages on his eye he's like where where is Jim and he's like oh, I'm so sorry he didn't make it through surgery and he's like oh and he was so sad and he said nurse would you just do me a favor in memory of Jim would you just tell me what you see out the window today in that park and she opens the blinds and she goes sir there's no park out here and he's like what, what do you mean he's like there's only a brick wall outside this window sir and he's like, and he just laughed in his bed. He's like, 
all this time, Jim was giving me what I needed to keep me going. And even though it wasn't what was there, he was giving me a different perspective that I needed. And sometimes we just need to change our perspective on the relationships in our life. Amen? And God can do great things with a change where we find the good in people and not just see their mistakes. The Bible says, he that finds a wife, I have three more. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? It identifies the wife before she's the wife. Isn't that interesting? I talked to somebody about this not too long ago. It doesn't say he that finds a girlfriend finds a good thing or he that finds a fiancé finds a good thing. But you have to be all those things before you be a wife, hopefully. I mean, you don't just pick somebody out of the crowd and say, hey, how about you be my wife? I mean, I know there's a pop song about let's get married, but that's not a good idea. You know, just pick somebody and get married. You don't know them. So the thing is, you have to have a relationship with them. Get to know them. See if there's compatibility in your life. But the Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. In other words, that you are wife material before they find you, ladies. Hello, somebody. You act like a wife before you are a wife. And it also says that when God gave Adam Eve, that he closed up the side of his flesh. In other words, in order for you to be husband ready, you need to close up the place of your flesh. Hello, some men in the place. You need to make sure that you're controlling what your desires are of your flesh to be a good husband, to be eligible to be a husband. So that's a good thing. Amen? Everybody say a good thing. And then there's another statement about the goodness of the Lord. David was the king, and he, I have embedded here where he was in, in one particular psalm, Psalm 27 and 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of Jehovah in the land of the living. In other words, he said, all of these people are prospering. All of these, these people that are doing evil things, they seem to be blessed. Have you ever been there where you're the one still trying to pay the bills and the people that aren't living for God seem to have the boat and the car extra and the two-story house and the triple garage anybody besides me seen that before and said lord where's mine when's mine gonna show up anybody been there well david was having the same thing he was like it seems like the sinful prosper and they they do good and they have and they have great things and he said i would have fainted in my faith i would have fainted in living for god unless i had believed to see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living in other words if you look for the goodness of God it will keep you from burnout it'll keep you from your faith being frustrated it'll keep you from dying out in your walk with God if you look for the goodness of God somebody should say amen right there if you search out the goodness of God you will have a strong walk with God amen in another place in Jeremiah 31 and 12 it says and they shall come and sing in the in the height of Zion everyone say sing God likes it when we sing it shall flow unto the goodness everyone say goodness of Jehovah how many know Jehovah is good and he has goodness to the grain and to the new wine and to the oil and to the young of the flock and to the herd and their soul shall be as a watered garden there's going to be a life spring there amen and they shall not sorrow anymore at all because Jehovah has goodness with him amen in another scripture in Hosea 4 and 1 it says here the word of the Lord ye children of Israel for Jehovah hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth there is no everyone say it 
goodness. There is no knowledge. There's no knowledge of the God in the land. In other words, he said, there needs to be a search for truth. There needs to be a search for goodness. And there needs to be a search for knowledge in God. If there's no knowledge in the land, God has a problem with it. Amen? If we're not searching and teaching that there is a truth to be lived. And there's a God who is good. Amen? Somebody. And there is knowledge that helps you live a better life in God and in Christ Jesus you know that God has something to say about that amen my brothers and sisters if we can't find any good then pursue God because he is good amen because he shows you truth and knowledge and goodness if you can't find any good in your day Take a minute, step into the stairway, and pursue God, and goodness shows up. Amen? It changes your perspective. You begin to know that there's, there's a park out there, and there's beautiful things going on, even when you feel like you're staring at a brick wall. Amen, somebody. Would you stand with me today? And then we know that when we get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you come, brother, and take these palm branches and we're going to pass them out and we're going to celebrate the Lord who's high and mighty and lifted up. Now, see, what you don't know is they would do this for kings. Now, Jesus was supposed to set them free from their oppressors, but he didn't. He didn't set them free like they thought they should be. But what they would do is they would break palm branches and they would lay them down when the king was walking into the city. And so what we're doing today is symbolic of the king entering into our life. And so I don't want you to wave this as just a gimmick. I don't want you to worship with us together here at the end as just some sort of command that's given from the pulpit. But I want you to use this as your sign to God that you are opening up every avenue for him to enter in on, every channel. If you have needs in your body, worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you have a financial need, worship the Lord as we sing together. And what happens is you are giving God opportunity and you're giving him permission to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to heal you through a surgery, praise the Lord, brother. He'll heal you through a surgery, amen? If he wants to heal you with the proper medicine because you have high blood pressure, amen. I'll go ahead and let you work in any avenue you want, God. I don't have a problem with that. But what if God wants to show up and do the miraculous for you? I, I'm okay with that too, amen? I'll worship Him in the miraculous, and I'll worship Him in using man, amen? Let me worship together as Brother Sings. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. Come on, let's wave it to the Lord. Let's just let heaven know. Jesus, you're available to anything in my life. Come on, open every place in your heart. Open every opportunity. God, in my workplace, in my travel, in my situation on the job, in my body, in my life, in my bank account, you're welcome, Lord. You're welcome, King. Hosanna to the King of Kings, the one who is in control of all things. Hallelujah. Why don't we open the altar? Why don't we all come down here and share this moment together? Come on, bring your worship by palm branch with you. Worship the Lord together. He's worthy of this praise. Hosanna in the highest. I still need a Messiah in my life. I still need you, Jesus, in every area. Amen, amen. I praise your name, Lord. I lift you up and magnify you. Awesome, Jesus.